This podcast is brought to you by FanshareSports.com, a website that compiles and curates the weekly recommendations of daily fantasy industry experts for you to gauge which players will be the most popular and which players are going overlooked. Head on over to FanshareSports.com and check it out. Welcome everybody to the season finale of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. It's actually going to be fairly weird doing a podcast on a two-game slate, but conference championship week, there's a ton of action out there. And to be honest, based on the four teams that have survived to this point, there's actually a lot of lineup combinations we can make, right? So if I felt like there was... Um, you know, a limited number of options that we could plug into our lineups this week. I probably wouldn't have done a podcast because you never want to give away your lineup or you never want to give away 75% of your lineup uh, when you're talking through a slate like this. <clears throat> but each team has a ton of options, especially a running back. Running back's loaded this week. You would think with four teams left, there'd only be four, maybe five options if there's a pass catching back, but literally every team has multiple backs that we can get in, uh, maybe aside from the Chiefs. So let's get into it. Let's dig into this first NFC Championship game that's on at about 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, big total. Over Last time I looked, it was 56 with the Saints as a 3.5 point favorite. I think... And the way I'm going to do the podcast today is instead of cash plays, you know, GPP plays, because I know most people um, sway towards the GPP side. I ended up playing a ton of cash last week just because I feel like if I know who is the best plays that I'm going to, or if I think I know at least who the best plays are, then I'm going to put that to the test in cash, right? If you think you're sharp, then put your money where your mouth is in cash every week, Um the only thing is there is some variance. Uh, you know, a 30% owned Ted Ginn could just dismantle the cash game slate with one catch. So there is that. Um, but I don't know. I just ended up on a lot of uh, in a lot of cash games last week. Podcast will be centered around GPP plays. So in this game, or just core plays in general, because it's tough to distinguish when you only have four teams to pick from. So in the Saints-Rams game, I think the loss of Sheldon Rankins in the middle of that defensive line is going to, I don't want to say be detrimental to the Saints because they obviously still have a shot at winning, but I definitely think that's where Sean McVay is going to try to attack. With Todd Gurley, uh, the Rams' third down back, and with C.J. Anderson, their first and second down back. No, I'm kidding, but to be honest, C.J. Anderson got 23 carries last week, and Todd Gurley only had 16. And then you would think, oh, let me look at the receiving box score. I'm sure Gurley had more targets, and it was 2-1 to one in favor of Gurley, which, I mean, they just didn't really throw to their backs much last week. So it's, type, it's kind of a conundrum 
Gurley's way more expensive than C.J. Anderson, and I don't think C.J. Anderson is just going to be relegated to, uh, you know, to spell Gurley uh, when Gurley's tired at this point. He is in there. He is going to see 40 to 50% of the snaps like he has been, and they're probably going to get around the same amount of touches, which is not a great thing for Gurley um, at 7.5K on DraftKings. And, I mean, obviously, C.J. Anderson is still affordable at 5K if you think he's still going to get that allotment of carries that, that he saw the last few weeks. Now, was Gurley still a little bit sore, nicked up last week, and now he's going to be unleashed this week because he's had full practice and he has a game under his belt? And now do the tables turn? Does Gurley, you know, just do they reverse roles? Is Gurley going to be the one that gets, you know, 60-70% of the carries? I'm not sure. I think game script has a lot to do with it, and that's a huge factor this week when you are building your teams is just planning out what the game script you think is going to be around that lineup. I think if you think the Rams go into New Orleans and hold the lead or, or at least are close to the Saints, um, then C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley are both in play. <clears throat> More so Anderson, really, for me. But if you think the Saints are going to, you know, start fast, potentially hold the 10 to 14 point lead for a good chunk of the game, and the Rams will be in catch-up mode, then I think you need to be on Gurley because he is obviously the pass catching back of those two. Um, C.J. Anderson. Not that he can't catch passes, but Gurley will be in there if they're going hurry up or if they're if they're running out of the shotgun four wide uh, for the entire second half. I'm guessing it'll be more Todd Gurley. So that's the way I would break down the Rams' backfield. Um, as far as the Rams' receivers, I think I, I'm going to go back to Brandon Cooks on the fast track of the Superdome. Kind of revenge game number two. He lit them up in the first game. And I think everybody likes Robert Woods, and I don't know why. Uh, I'm all over Brandon Cooks, and I usually always am all over Brandon Cooks whenever Robert Woods is popular. You know, Bobby Woods is a great receiver. He's got a high floor. He's pretty much a lock for 6 for 60. But it's not often that we see, you know, that 8 for 120 and 2 game from him. Uh, he has a very high floor, but not a very high ceiling. His ceiling is capped. Um, basically by the routes that he runs. Whereas Brandon Cooks and Josh Reynolds have that high ceiling. Their floor isn't as high, so if you're playing cash games, probably Robert Woods is the better way to go. But both Josh Reynolds and Brandon Cooks have a much higher air yard share than target share. right? So that just means that when they get targeted, they are further downfield than Robert Woods, whose target share is a lot higher than his air yards share. So that's the way I would break that down. I think Cooks definitely has a decent matchup. I think he can get the job done uh, with one pass. You know, even last week, he kind of runs more of those intermediate routes, it seems. Um, You know, like posts and flag routes to the sideline, out routes to the sideline, and Goff's really good at getting that ball 
over the top of zone defenders and just dropping it in there. I don't know if he's going to be matched up with Eli Apple or, or what, but I do like Brandon Cooks and Josh Reynolds in tournaments as opposed to Robert Woods this week. As far as the Rams tight ends go, I'm going to be honest. I can't see anybody but Travis Kelsey having a big game this weekend. I mean, maybe Gronk. Um, but I, I'm going to have a hard time not just hitting the lock button on Travis Kelsey this week. I know he's 7K, and some of these guys are floating around at 2.5K, and they let you jam in a lot of studs, but their floors are literally zero. Um, so if you think you can make a lineup where you can take a zero, like, oh, if I, if I take Travis Kelsey out and I can get my three receivers up to Brandon Cooks, Josh Reynolds, and Julian Edelman instead of having to play, you know, Chris Hogan or Philip Dorsett or something like that, and you think that that 3v3 has a higher total projection than the 3v3 with Kelsey, then go for it. Just know that you're risking a, a goose egg from your tight end spot, which we've had to deal with all year, and I think I might have some PTSD there, and I'm, and I'm just too hesitant to not slot in Kelsey, whose floor is just 10, 12 points higher than the rest of the tight ends on this slate. Um, obviously, like Goff as well, uh, he's been, you know, not great since Cooper Cup has been injured. But the fact of the matter is it's the NFC Championship game. It's indoors. Uh, Sean McVay is his coach. I have faith that he can have a pretty good game against this Saints secondary. And on this slate, everybody's in play for the most part if they get on the field because it's four very good offenses, four offenses that are implied point totals uh, have them over or at least around four touchdowns. So Vegas thinks all these teams are going to score. So I think all quarterbacks are in play. Um, You just have to plant your flag somewhere. I really even haven't decided where that is for me. Um, But as the week goes on, I'll probably land on someone. I'm guessing it's going to be Jared Goff for at least a, a piece of my player pool. On the Saints side, um, it's really tricky. You know, they have a great offense. They have an explosive offense. Michael Thomas is just a beast. The Eagles couldn't stop him. Uh, But oftentimes, they spread their fantasy production around. um, And the the Saints are another team that you really have to hone in on how you think the game script is going to go. A uh, close game or a game that they are trailing in, that's an Alvin Kamara game. Uh, blowouts have a huge correlation uh, with Mark Ingram's fantasy success. If you look back and look at all the games that the Saints blew anybody out, Ingram had a huge game. Uh, and it's basically because they let him just grind it out in the second half. They, they pound him basically for two quarters, uh, and then he gets the goal line work, and then he ends up having a monster game. I think one of them was against Philly, and the other one was against, I want to say Tampa Bay. I'm not 100% sure, but there was a f- two or three blowouts where Ingram went over 30 fantasy points, and that's just the way it goes. When they blow a team out, Ingram gets more work. Um, I think Ingram is not going to be in my player pool this week because I don't think that they blow the Rams out. Uh, I think they actually have a little bit of trouble with that interior of the the Rams with, you know, Sue and Donald and Brockers. I think they do give them fits a little bit this week, and they can't run the ball. Uh, 
in the middle. However, Kamara is really enticing to me. He and Damian Williams are about the same price at 6.5K. I think Kamara, you know, he hasn't been great since Ingram came back. He hasn't had those massive blow-up games that he had in the first four weeks of the year. But at the same time, 6.5K, and I know everybody's prices are depressed, but Kamara could really have a big game, especially if he starts to rip off some of those uh, receptions like, like he can. And if they're struggling running the ball up the middle, then you know he's probably going to get uh, a bunch of receptions. They're probably going to turn to the short passing game to kind of move the chains instead of the running game. As far as Saints pass catchers, obviously we were all over Ted Ginn last week. He got fed the ball. He had a ton of targets, but he just couldn't do anything with them. Decent game for 4.5K or whatever he was last week. He's even cheaper this week. He's in my player pool again. I don't have to say anything about Michael Thomas. He should be in your player pool as well. Uh, and if those, and if you like those guys, then obviously Drew Brees is going to be there too. Uh, it's just a matter of creating lineups that are unique, creating lineups around uh, a game script that you think is going to happen. So if you think the Saints are going to absolutely torch the Rams, then you can play all those guys, right? You could play Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, even Mark Ingram as well, um, Michael Thomas uh, as a dart throw. Maybe Keith Kirkwood you could get in there. He's been on the field a little bit. Uh, maybe punt with Josh Hill. Uh, he got an extension two weeks ago, and he saw, I think, three targets last week on a good number of snaps. So, I mean, he's a decent punt. Again, probably not playing anybody but Kelsey this week. Uh, so this Rams-Saints game, has a lot of uh, potential, but they're really though when you look at it, there's about three receivers we could play on the Rams. There's three receivers that are in play on the Saints. Uh, Traquan Smith really just doesn't entice me. Uh, and then there's two running backs on each team, so there's a plethora of players. I'm really probably not going to touch the tight ends from this game. Uh, and then obviously both quarterbacks in play. At the end of this podcast, I'll, I'll kind of talk about how we can, ways that we can get contrarian, um, ways that I've tried to get contrarian in the past that have worked. Uh, because, you know, everybody's going to have Michael Thomas. So your lineup has to be a little bit different than the 70% of people that are rostering Michael Thomas or uh, the 50% of people that are going to have Robert Woods in their lineup, etc. cetera. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, at towards the end of this podcast, right after we talk about the the Chiefs and the Patriots. Okay, on to the AFC part of championship weekend of this two-game slate. Uh, I guess the main thing that we have to be concerned about, or at least somewhat take into consideration, is weather in this game. Uh, it's going to be very cold. Uh, I've seen anything from negative wind chill um but like the high is going to be 10 degrees so it's not going to be warm at all there's a lot of research on weather and how it impacts scoring in a football game and to be honest they basically say that they can't really make any strong conclusions based on temperature so i think we're okay there Uh, but if wind does pick up which it looks like it might be a little bit windy. Usually when it's that cold, it's because it's windy. 
So I guess keep an eye on the wind if they are projecting 20 mile per hour or north of that then we might have a slight issue but the fact of the matter is it's not so much as is the or are the conditions in Kansas City going to impact the game rather that it is the Rams and the Saints just have perfect conditions you know climate controlled dome on turf the fast track you know just overall the atmosphere is more conducive to a shootout. Kansas City, I mean, if you saw the game last week, the turf was not very good. It was They were digging up chunks of it as they were running and planting. So, I mean, just in general, the Rams and the Saints has a higher total and just has perfect weather conditions. So it makes you maybe lean a little bit towards that game or not. Maybe you want the Kansas City game because of the uh, the thought that it won't be as high scoring. So basically breaking this game down, um, the Chiefs are fairly straightforward, right? Mahomes is obviously in play. Damian Williams is a beast. He is going to get all the carries for the most part. He might get spelled a little bit by Daryl Williams. Um, I'm sure Kendrick West will come in on some third down situations, maybe catch a pass or two, but for the most part, Damian Williams is the man in Kansas City. Um, they use him just like they use Kareem Hunt. So he's going to have all the goal line work. He's going to get all the carries for the most part, and he's going to get those design screens as well uh, that you used to see Kareem Hunt run they, they run a lot of double screens right so they fake a screen to one side and come back to the other side or they'll have Damian Williams lined up on one side of Mahomes in the shotgun he'll roll out right and they'll come back with a screen to the left uh, after the defense is completely faked out and all headed they all get them in, in that misdirection play to the right so that's the one thing that Spencer Ware doesn't afford them. They kind of didn't use Spencer Ware like they were using Cream Hunt. They used him as a pounder, a grinder, but they really didn't get him much involved in the pass game. Um, so the fact of the matter is, Damian Williams is obviously in play. Terry Kill's obviously in play. Uh, Sammy Watkins had a big game last week. He's only 4K. I think he's going to be very popular, and rightfully so. He probably will again see upwards of six seven targets and then obviously Travis Kelsey is pretty much lock button uh, or at least 80 90 percent for me I might take a shot here or there um, with maybe Josh Hill or Gerald Everett or who knows what but honestly I don't know how we just can't lock in the guaranteed floor of Kelsey here Uh, as for the Patriots and I mean like Here's the thing with the Chiefs. They don't really have many ancillary parts that get involved. Um, Chris Conley could catch a pass here, too. He was on the field a ton, so he's obviously in play. I think he, I think he was on the field for 57 of 87 snaps last week, so he's obviously in play uh, based on the fact that he's in the game or he's on the field for more than half of the Chiefs' offensive snaps. Um, not a huge fan of Demarcus Robinson, but... He did go on a streak there right before this divisional game, uh, catching touchdown passes. So I wouldn't fault anybody if they want to put If you're mass multi-entering and you want to make Demarcus Robinson a five percenter, then that's fine. Um, But they really don't have many ancillary parts that 
that get involved to an extent that we want to roster them. The Patriots, on the other hand, uh, have a slew of guys that could, based on their salary, end up being tournament winners because they let you jam in some high-priced studs, right? So uh, Philip Dorsett caught uh, a touchdown last week on a bunch of targets. Obviously, Chris Hogan is always a threat to to score multiple times. And the thing is, he hasn't, right, this year. We, but we've seen that ceiling out of him. We, we've seen him score two touchdowns. I think it was week 15 or 16. He caught uh, like a 70-yard touchdown. So we've seen that out of him. So that ceiling is there, especially at his low price of, I think, 3700 on DraftKings. Dorsett's 3900 I think they're going to be very, very under-owned, Dorsett and Hogan, simply be because guys like Sammy Watkins, Ted Ginn, and Josh Reynolds are right there, uh, only 100, 200, 300 more than Dorsett and Hogan. So I think there are pretty low-owned plays that we could take a look at. I mean, obviously, if you think the Pats are going to score, if you think this game is going to be a high-scoring game, Brady's in play. Edelman's obviously in play. And then the key, I think, to this slate might be nailing the Patriots' running backs. So Sony Michelle is going to see extended time if the Patriots jump out to a lead. James White is going to probably see extended time if the game is going in the Chiefs' favor. And if it's going in, I mean, if it's a close game, I think we could play both players, right? So you just kind of have to figure out um, which direction you think the game script is going to go. I will say this, if the Pats, if you think the Pats are going to blow out the Chiefs, it might not be a bad idea to play both running backs. Um, And I think overall, let's transition here into just contrarian game roster construction strategy here. Uh, notice how I didn't mention the 80-year-old Robert Gronkowski because I'm just fed up with him and I'm not going to play him this week either. It's Kelsey or Punt for me. Um, I, I wouldn't fault you for playing Gronk since he's only in the 4K range, but I don't know. I just haven't seen it out of him. He's, he's limping downfield at this point. There was a point where I thought I saw him running on screen and thought, who is that? Is that, I couldn't even think, I couldn't even, I was trying to go through the Patriots roster in my head. You know, Jacob Hollister, he's on IR. Who the heck is that? And then he turned uh, and faced the camera, and it said 8-7 on his jersey, and I said, that could not be Rob Gronkowski. He was, he looked, he looked like a guard. He looked like a guard running down the field, and I don't know, from that moment on, I just said, I don't know if he is cut out to, uh, you know, catch passes, catch touchdowns at this point. So I probably will be fading Rob Gronkowski. If he blows up, then I'm not winning this week, and more power to you if you played him. Uh, but from a contrarian game uh, game stack roster construction standpoint, there are a few things that you can do to make unique lineups. Obviously the first one, and you'll see this on every cookie-cutter um, strategy article is to leave money on the table, right? So leave salary on the table, don't max out your cap, etc. And that's fine. 
I would say that if you if you create a lineup and you use all the cap, you max it out, you have zero left, and you like the lineup, you feel strong about the correlations in it, then that's fine. Uh, but if you're mass multi-entering, it's probably a sharp play to leave money on the table. Uh, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars because it does decrease the chances that your lineup is duplicated in the contest. And why is that bad? Well. It's not. I mean, if it's the best lineup in the contest, then you split first place with a few other people. That happened to me in week 15. I took down the single entry fair catch. I think that's the $20 GPP, or maybe that's the $12 GPP. I can't even remember. Um, but I had the best lineup on the site, and it wasn't, it, was a, it wasn't a chalky lineup, but three other people had the same lineup, four other people had the same lineup. So instead of hitting the 12 grand first place prize we all split four and a half um so you know that's not not ideally what you want when you win a gpp is to split it with four other people but if that is the top lineup in the contest then you'll take that so here's another few ways that we can do it you can roster two running backs from the same game especially this week Um, i think alvin kamara and mark ingram are both in play in a Saints blowout. I think the Patriots running back, Sony Michelle, uh, James White, and even Rex Burkhead are rosterable in the same lineup in a Patriots shootout if they have if you think they're gonna have a ton of points. And then the Rams, I mean Gurley and Anderson did it last week. You saw it last week from Michelle and White and Gurley and Anderson, both two running backs on a team basically crushed value. So I think that's a way to have a unique lineup this week. If you think any of those teams are really going to go off and score a ton of points, then you can roster two running backs on their team. Uh, I think we can stack teams without their primary pass catcher or without one of their primary pass catchers. For instance, I'll probably add a, a lot of stacks this week of the Chiefs that don't include Tyree Kill. Um, I think he had somewhat of a fluky last few games he scored a bunch of rushing touchdowns in the last few weeks so his box score looks great but there's been like four of the last six games where he hasn't really produced through the air so I can see the Chiefs I could see Patrick Mahomes throwing four touchdowns this week two to Kelsey one to Watkins one to Damian Williams we'll say and what happens is if you have a Chief stack with Tyreek Hill and he only goes for 10 or 12 points then it kind of destroys the potency of having that stack so if you are able to omit the right player the player that doesn't get a piece of the pie when a team goes off that not only puts you ahead of a lot of people in the tournament but it also puts you a lot ahead of a lot of the other lineups in the tournament that even have the right stack they're just missing out on uh fading the right player so i think tyree kill is going to be the guy that i target this week to not have i mean if he runs if he gets three reverses and he runs for 60 yards and a touchdown and he catches a bomb and then Gronkowski catches three touchdowns then you'll find me at the bottom of GPPs but uh, if you know Tyreek Hill and and Rob Gronkowski are the guys that don't smash this week then I'll probably have a good shot Uh, and the last thing I'll say is to create scenarios in your head when you're talking about this so we only have two games on the slate so create two scenario, two scenarios of the two outcomes of both games and then build lineups around that instead of just opening DraftKings and smashing buttons. 
So for instance, I'll give you uh, an example to close here. Um, let's say you're saying, okay, the Rams and the Saints is going to be a shootout and the Chiefs and the Patriots is going to be a slugfest, uh, 20 to 14, uh, 16 to 9 junk fest because the weather is going to have an impact. All right, so in that case, you want to plug in all your Rams and Saints, you know, Goff, Gurley, two Rams pass catchers, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara, right? So then with your two slots left, in a slugfest, what happens? Well, usually they'll be uh, in a, on a PPR site like DraftKings, someone like Julian Edelman or someone like Sammy Watkins might be able to hit value despite not scoring, so you'd plug them in. Or even Damian Williams is probably going to see a lot of work. James White, PPR guy, you plug one of them in with the Chiefs defense or with the Patriots defense, and then you have a lineup that's centered around a Rams-Saints shootout, and a Chiefs path slugfest. So before you create every lineup, and I create all my lineups by hand, sometimes I just don't like the way lineup generators spit teams out. When I do that, especially in a small slate like this, I will try to come up with two different game scripts, game flows of each game, and then say, if this happens, how am I going to fill out this lineup? So with every lineup you create, do that. Uh, and you could do it in a different way. You don't have to stick to one game script. You could say, all right, what if the Rams and Saints shoot out and the Pats and Chiefs are a slugfest? And then your next lineup, all right, let's go Rams blowout, Pats blowout. How would my, my two lineups look if there are two blowouts on conference championship weekend and then create your lineups around those two game scripts? So you can just keep playing with that. Um, as always, Pat James DFS on Twitter. I hope you enjoyed the podcast all season long. Uh, rate and review if you haven't yet it's your last chance to do so and also uh, I probably will have a few off-season podcasts I'm definitely going to have one right after the Super Bowl about lessons we've learned and I say we because I'm going to have some clips from industry guys uh, about things that they noticed this year that they're going to carry over to next season as always if I don't win a GPP hope you do good luck in your AFC NFC Conference Championship Weekend, two-game slate, GPPs in cash if you decide to play. It's been a good season. See you next year.